Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today as usual. Mm -hmm. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up on August 23rd and December 13th this year. Mm -hmm. Tickets are on sale at the website, bysarlow.com. They are running out for August, so make sure you nab those before they're gone. We have a second podcast series called Sips of Sanity. Currently, it's available at the website, bysarlow.com. It is 10 to 12 minute shows running from Monday to Friday, the first week of every month. We pick a topic on emotional and spiritual intelligence and we provide you with a toolkit. Cool. And coming up in September, we'll be moving toward a platform called Patreon. It's a paid membership with tiers that gives you access to all of the tools that we're providing through our podcasts and more. So we'll be doing written, verbal, audio, all kinds of things to bring you different ways of learning and implementing the tools Mm -hmm. so that you feel supported. I think that's the biggest thing that we've been focusing on this year is how can we extend ourselves more to support you in your changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the stuff that will be on Patreon particularly comes from requests from clients. Yeah. Who don't know how they, they hear the tools Mm -hmm. and they like them, but they don't know how, or they get a little bit of them in a session and wish that they had the whole piece from us and we don't have time to do it. So that's what this is going to be. Cool. Um, We have private sessions. So we do things for groups and for individual people. Both Kelly and I do personal sessions by telephone, Skype, FaceTime, and Zoom for people all over the world. If you'd like to book a session, either in group form or for yourself personally, you can find us at the website by sarlo.com, fill out a form, and one of us will get back to you. Okay, so you've got notes in front of us. What Mm -hmm. are we doing today? Um, It's medium again. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So um, this one is, well... It's four stories. Oh, okay. It's four stories again, and there is a common theme again. Karen, you're getting like more creative in how you're weaving all these things together. No. No. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I'm not getting creative. Honest to God, Kelly, the spirit world just shows up and says, we want four shows on how people cope when children pass away. Oh, okay. And, And I just was like, kids? Yes, absolutely. And I said, but I don't remember any stories. And as everyone knows, we don't keep client files. So I said, I really don't know what to do with this. Oh, I think our client files are podcasts. Oh, that's fair. All of the ones that we've done on mamas and their grieving sons. Yeah. All of the early ones come to mind. We've done lots of shows on parents who've lost their children. Okay, then I have no idea what is exactly going to come out in this one. I believe you. If you're going to say we've already done shows on these. So what the spirit guides did was they gave me four stories. Okay. Okay. The first story is of a family that I had visited, actually. This was years ago. Because we don't visit families in their homes anymore. So this was this was a good decade ago, at least, Kelly. And um, I went into this person's home. The couple had invited me over. And actually, I think at the time, it was because they thought there were spirits in the house. This wasn't, um, hi, can you come and do a private session? Or you can do a reading for us. This was, we have something going on and wacky in our house. And can you come and help us to see what this is? So I I went, and when I got there, there was a grown woman standing there, just just stunning. She was just beautiful. Like human? No, dead. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Right, that's fair. <laughs> I need listeners to be able to follow. Also, I need to be able to follow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. So she's a dead woman. Stunning dead woman. Stunning. Yes, she was beautiful. And she reminded me a little bit of the mom and dad, like of the couple. So, I mean, that's not hard to think, okay, is she related in some way? And then she changed form and she became a little baby. Mm. And she showed me herself in her crib sleeping. Mm. And so as the family, as as the mom and dad are talking to me, I'm noticing that what she's doing behind them. So finally, the dad looks at me and he goes, what's happening? (laughs) This. And I said, there's a woman that's standing behind you. And I would put her around 25 years old. She looks a little bit like both of you. And I said, and then she shows me that she's a baby and she's in her crib. And she's sleeping in the crib. But that's it. If I go close to the crib, she's not sleeping. She's blue. And they both looked at me and went, okay, we weren't expecting this. Is she the one making the noises in the house? So even though they both were caught totally off guard, he got composed. He, like, he was able to compose himself really quickly. Well, he's also piecing things together. Mm-hmm. And he says, are you telling us that that's who's making the noises in the house? And I said, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, joyfully. Aww. Like, and I said, your disruptions in the house aren't terrible. This isn't a knife going whizzing past your head. Like the movies do. Oh, I'm, I'm always going to make fun of the movie industry. Mm-hmm. I said, but th- this is actually where you hear things like singing in another room. You hear like chimes going. And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, as far as I can tell, it's this woman, child, baby. And I said, so... Is it okay if I'm, I'm like, am I crossing any boundaries by asking a question like this? But did you lose a daughter? And both of them said yes. So I said, well, she's the one that's in your house creating noise and distractions. And I said, but she's trying to do it to get your attention to say, I'm around. And I said, but she says that you asked for this. (laughs) So, you know. You wanted to know if I was here. And I said, she also says that there's a place set for her at the table. And then they both burst into tears, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And they found each other. It was like I had to get the hell out of the way. (laughs) Because there was a hug happening. (laughs) So I just kind of quickly moved out of the way. And this couple came together. And it was like, see, see. And they were looking at each other like... Mm -hmm. Oh, like you look at your newborn baby. Yeah. And they were like, she heard us. And and they were holding each other's faces with such love between the two of them. I, I, I felt like, wow, I'm in an intimate moment. I need to blend into the wall. <laughs> so I was just really quiet. I, I have said this about you for so long. I remember doing your birthday celebration when we put the whole video together and so many family members and clients came forward and friends to talk about how much they wanted to celebrate you. And I remember vividly saying that you were a part of thousands of love stories. And it was one of my favorite things about you because just through being yourself, just through channeling and 
Oh, damn it. Um, uh, just through wanting to share the guides with everyone, you became a part of all of these love stories. Thank you. Dead and alive, past, present, and future. And I just, it's so cool. And I don't think anyone here would say, please blend into a wall. Because you want to celebrate the people that bring you together in that love. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of your greatest gifts that you've been given, but also the greatest gift that you give others. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I know. Back to your story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a lot to take in. You are. Oh, ditto. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't, I, you know what? My head's blown off. <laughs> well, that's fair. It is. I don't even know what to say. Maybe go back to your paper. Okay. We can go back to the facts. Oh, yeah. So, so she told me that she had three brothers, and he said that was correct. And I said all three of her brothers married, and all three have had children. And he said both were correct. And I said at every event, every wedding, every single event that's occurred, every birth, every party, she is acknowledged. I said in some way, they don't always talk about her. And he said that would be correct. And he did not say to me, how do we acknowledge her? I said, you acknowledge her with fresh flowers. Mm. Isn't that cute? Yeah. And I said, sometimes people will put cute things in the bouquet. And this is the fun part for the family. Mm. Sometimes they put a ladybug in it. Like they will draw one and stick it in on a piece of paper. Sometimes they will buy them like at a gardening center, a dragonfly, a butterfly, a cricket. Like all of these cute little things. An ant. There's all these little things. And it's become a family game to see where she is and what she is. So different family members will do different things and stick them in the flowers. It's so cute. Yeah. So cute. So she says, Karen, I get to be all of these different things and I'm included playfully in my family's life. Mm -hmm. She says, so I want to thank my family for all of the playful, fun, creative ways they figured out how to include me without making it boohoo, without making it a tragedy, without making it something nobody could get over, uh, where everybody needed therapy. (laughs) Am I correct in saying, too, that celebrating and acknowledging her never took away from the existence of her brothers? That's right. Yeah. So they just did their thing. Because I do, I've, I've seen families who can't move past the mm-hmm. death of a child and the children who do survive mm. physically live in the shadow of the deceased sibling. Oh, that's a good point. No, this family did not do yeah, that at no, all. It, it sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. They just allowed her to be present, acknowledged her, but they focused on these are the grandkids. This is my daughter-in-law. These are my kids. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, a nice balance, eh? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the first story I wanted to share. Okay. (laughs) I like how the guides did this because they don't really, like they really didn't come out and say, ta-da, here's the point. (laughs) 
I think they just wanted me to tell the stories and for us to chat about them so people could take out what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They might think, oh, geez, I like that idea too. Or my family does it a little bit differently. Or I am hung up in my shit. I'm not getting over this. Mm-hmm. And I am making my other kids disappear. Like, for whatever reason. So the second story is my story. Okay. And they told me to share this. And again, not too certain why. But it goes back to the little girl with the red head. Oh, okay. With the braids. So at that time, I'm pretty young myself growing up with parents who own a funeral home. I'm a child myself playing in there and hanging around my dad on lunch hours because we had our lunches there instead of going home um, from school break. And I just remember this little girl that showed up one day when I was talking to my dad in one of the visitation rooms. I really liked sitting on the kneelers or standing on the kneelers while my dad put makeup on the person who had died. And it was a Catholic funeral home, so he would arrange the hands, he would put makeup on the hands, and then he would wrap a rosary around them because that's what the Catholics did, at least at the funeral home Mm -hmm. that my parents owned. And quite often my mom or my dad would do the hair and touch up the hair. And I remember them, they would always have a picture and they would try and get the hair exactly the way it was in a picture so that the family would be happy. Honored. Honored, respected. Mm -hmm. Oh, there was just so much I learned from my my mom and dad and how much detail they paid to what a family wanted for a person who'd crossed over. Mm -hmm. There was just so much respect. So anyway, I just remember this little girl showing up one day as my dad was actually working on her body in the casket, in a child's casket. And I just remember her spirit walking around. So I remember like looking in the casket and then looking around the room because she's walking around and she's dressed the very same as she is in the casket, Mm -hmm. but she's lighter. And I want to say she still looks like a human. So you can't see through her body like they do on TV. She still looks more solid. But I just remembered thinking, oh, there she is. And remember, now I'm a kid. I'm a, I'm a child. I love it because it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does make perfect sense to me. I'm not in an adult body screaming or thinking this is terrible. I was just curious. I remember, Kelly, that she had these long braids and she had red hair, which was really stunning to me. Her hair was down to about here. And she turned to me and she said, Karen, and she knew my name. She said, Karen, could you make sure that you tell my mom that I'm okay? My mom is so worried about me. And I thought, well, how am I supposed to tell her mom that? I'm not going to see her mom. And so I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, I said, "Um, this little girl wants her mom to know that she's okay. Can you tell her? And my dad just kind of like, what? And I just remembered thinking, well, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, what is your problem? This what, makes, what part did you not understand? Yeah, like this makes total sense. What the hell? What's with the look? Mm-hmm. And I just remembered my dad giving me this look like, what the heck? And I said, and I thought, well, what's your problem? Like, I, I just didn't even know where to go with the conversation. So I just repeated it. And then I kind of looked at this little girl like, well, my dad's looking at me funny, so what else are you going to say? Because I don't know what else to say to him. 
Which really reminds me of what we do currently. Oh, yeah. Because nothing's changed. (laughs) No. The system's the same. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So Where where do I go from here? (laughs) Constantly. Yeah. Okay. So I just remembered looking at her thinking, you better say something because I don't, I have got nothing here. And so she said, well, I drowned. She says, so I have to let my mom know that I'm not still drowning. She keeps Uh, thinking that I'm still drowning. She's playing it over and over again in her head that I'm, I'm, I'm dying like every day, 50 times a day. She's in this agony that I'm drowning. So I looked at my dad and I thought, well, that's just terrible. That's, that's a living hell for a mom. Mm. So I looked back at my dad and I said, well, dad, I said, she's not drowning anymore. And he just was kind of like, he had this shocked look on his face because like there was just no way that I would have known that she had drowned. Mm -hmm. There was no way for me to know that. He knew that, but he knew I couldn't know that. And I just, I just, that was my stomach. Keep going. I don't have time to cut. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So I just remembered saying this to him. And then because of his absolutely mortified look, I left. <laughs> I just remembered thinking, I'm out of okay. here. I got to get out of here. I'm just getting buried further into this. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to get in trouble. You got to remember, I'm probably around eight years old. Yeah. So, and I don't know how to process any of this properly. I don't know what she's doing. Why isn't she in the casket? Why isn't she talking to him? Yeah, why? Do, yeah, like, let's just make this easier. Tell my dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, what the hell? So, and I didn't want to get, I think bottom line probably was I didn't want to get into trouble, right? Yeah. So I just got the hell out of there. <laughs> and I just remembered leaving. That little girl has stuck with me, and mm-hmm. she came back when I hit my late 40s, when I was finally ready to give the messages to the people. She came back to say, hey, I'm that little girl. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. an, another story today. Cool. That maybe people, again, can listen to and take out of it whatever they want. Maybe their own experience when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Story three. This story, I do remember when the guides told me little bits and pieces of, so I've added a little bit of it, but they've had to tell me most of it. But I had a group session here in the house. And I think there were maybe seven people, because I remember I didn't have a whole lot of room in the living room, and I had to pull extra pieces of furniture in from the treatment room. Mm -hmm. So, and I didn't know... They were related. I had no clue. It was just seven people. And I remembered being a little surprised because I thought that I had five. And with two more, it was like I was scrambling. So anyway, we got that settled. Everybody got seated. And I went through consent. And then they said, just an open session at the beginning. And I thought, open for seven people? What? I feel like listeners at this point are asking the same question. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm just going to check in with medium because if it's a group of seven people, I'm just going to ask the spirit guides if anybody who's crossed over wants to come through. So if that's it, let's get started in that. And my first thought was, I wonder if it's a grandparent or a parent, but I was just wondering it. And all of a sudden, Kelly, the room filled up. Oh my word. Uh, The room filled and I had if I'm remembering this correctly, I was looking out the window over everybody's heads. 
Because, you know, the, all yep. the windows behind the couches. Oh, I'm just thinking I don't look at people, but sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you focus on, whatever works. So I was looking over their heads out onto the front lawn. It yep. was summertime. And there was a group of children on the front lawn mm. in their pajamas. And I thought, oh, my goodness. So I said, are you here because there's a group of people who've crossed over? And they said, yeah, you could start with that. And I said, it's a family. And they said, okay, yeah, that's true. And I said, it's children. There are five children here. Three girls, two boys. And they're very young. And then separate to that, there were a couple of other children, but they didn't stand together. So I said, well, there are a few more, but they don't stand in the same group. So there's a, there's a group of people that died. And they said, yes. And then behind that, so further deeper on the lawn, so to speak, all of a sudden I see a house on fire. Mm. And it's like, oh my God, these children died in this house fire. And I thought, okay, I'll start. I'll ask that. That's very specific information, so I'll start with that. And the extra people on the side may have died in the same fire, but they're not all part of the same family, or I'm not understanding the way they're presenting it to me. So here are the visuals, eh? Mm -hmm. And so I said that. I said, I have a group of children. Like, there's some that are in a family, but there are extra kids. And I said, is this a house fire? And they said, yep, that's correct. And I said, so you are the siblings of the children that died in the house fire, not the other two children. That's correct. I said, oh, so you're all siblings. You're a group of brothers and sisters. And they said, yeah. I said, so you're here as a family to find your other family? Oh, I want to cry. Mm -hmm. And I said, so you want to actually sit down and talk to all your siblings that died. Yeah. And I said, this is a family reunion. And they said, not without you. <laughs> and I said, I'm in. Mm -hmm. I am so in for this family reunion. So I said, bring it on. So I said, this little group that passed are saying that your mom and dad are here on earth. So they have not died yet. And they said, that's right. And I said, so your mom and dad are still alive, but they couldn't come to this family celebration. And I'm being told that they're in a nursing home. That's right. And I said, so get out your cell phones and record this for mom and dad. So they took out their cell phones. And I said, you have to play, you have to tape this so that you can take it to them and still have your family reunion with your mom and dad. So mm -hmm. they did. So then I said, okay, let me go in and ask them some of the things they want to say to you guys. So the f this was the first family. They called it the first family. So these are the oldest children. Sorry, in front of you? That died. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah. That passed over. Mm. So if you... Oh, my God. So if you aged them, they would be older than my group that right. are currently there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I said, so these are the first, what you guys call the first family. That's exactly how they called them, the first family. And I said, so this little group passed away in the fire, and then your parents went on to have all of you. That's, that blows my mind. Mm -hmm. That just, that right there just, oh, 
like I can't, I can't even begin to imagine how you continue to have other children. And I said, oh, and then I see a crucifix behind them. And all the kids on the other side are going, well, it's the Catholics. <laughs> There's no contraception. <laughs> so 12. Yeah. So here come all of the other children because they really don't have a choice. So whether they felt that they could tolerate it wow. emotionally or not, there's no contraception in those days. So, and they don't believe in that. It's a sin. They're not allowed to have it. So here life moves on and they end up having all of these other children. And I said, so you're called the second family. And they just, there was silence. And they said, yes. And you could see some shaking their heads like, yeah, you got that right. You know, and then one of the children who'd crossed over uh, comes up to me and says, well, there's an exception here. And I said, uh, okay, I, I don't get it. And this child says to me, well, there's one child here that you have that's alive in the second family that was part of the first family, but she wasn't home the night of the fire. She was with our mother and father at the hospital. And I'm like, what? She's the one that feels that it's all her fault. Mm. And I'm like, what? Right. Well, she took mom and dad to the hospital. They went because she was sick. They took her to the hospital because she had the flu. They left. They had the kids in the neighborhood come over and stay. And that's when the, um, what do you call that? Um, wood stove. That's when the wood stove set the house on fire. And that's when all of the children died, including the neighbor's kids. And I'm like, oh my God. God. So all of these kids died, but this one child that goes to the hospital with mom and dad is the only one left living. So she went through quite a bit of trauma in her life, feeling that it wasn't her fault. And I have to say something, her parents never made her feel that way. Mm -hmm. Of course not. No. And they reassured her over and over again that it was not her fault. And that she was a blessing to them and that they loved her and that they valued her. They did nothing to ever make her feel that it was. She took that on, mm -hmm. no matter what other people said to her. Both her mom and dad went out of their way to make sure that she didn't feel the burden of that. Mm -hmm. That this was not some kind of um, God's plan that all these kids should die and she should live and suffer. Mm. Now, something else that came out of this was that the children who had passed said how much they loved her and that they wanted her to know that she was still part of the first family. Uh -huh. And that she also was part of the second family mm -hmm. and that she was the critical piece that bridged the two. And that because she had memories of the first family, she was the one that these brothers and sisters who are alive would go up to and say, what was she like again? Was she the one this? And they would ask questions of their older siblings, and she was the one with all the answers. Cool. So the mom and dad made sure that they didn't interfere, they didn't step up and correct it, they didn't say with more accuracy, oh no, it was this one. They let her do the speaking. Mm -hmm. They let her really play the, that role because they could see how that could benefit her healing. Cool. And they also saw 
that it created a real respect in the family for her. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. So they wanted the second family to respect her. Yeah. Just a gorgeous story. Mm-hmm. But, oh, gorgeous and tragic. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fourth story. The fourth story comes, Kelly, when a man comes to see me by himself. And I would say, hmm, maybe maybe in his late 60s, and um, just literally sits down and says, you know, I'm here for an open session. I really do would, li- would like medium, so if you can throw that in, it would be great. I'd like some medical intuitive as well, but we could start with the medium. And as soon as he says this, uh, this young boy with a bathing suit walks into the room, and he goes, that'd be me. And I look over, and I see this cute little guy. <laughs> You know, with an outsy belly button. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, you've passed, honey? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, Karen, but don't honey me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> he says, this was like decades ago. I'd be a grown-ass man now. And I'm like, okay. So this passing occurred decades ago. And he says, yes, I'm his brother. And he says, we went to a swimming hole one hot summer day by a mine site. He says, there was a group of us, my brothers, and he said, and some of our best friends. So there was a a good sized group of guys that went to the site, some teenagers, some younger. He says, I was one of the younger, one of the boys there, but I wasn't the only one my age. And he said it was just something that we did and all our parents knew. They were totally fine. There were 16, 17-year-olds that went. They all wa- we all watched out for each other. He says it was a really good group of people. And he says, we went swimming. And I said, what happened that you drowned? And he goes, I just drowned. And I said, didn't anybody notice? And he goes, no. He said, we just lost count. He said it was just a busy afternoon. There were tons of people at the water hole. He said there was just, we were all, like, we all watched for each other. He says, but, you know, they were swinging from the ropes and jumping in, and some of them would jump on the other guy, and there was horseplay going on, and, you know, you were shoving somebody underneath. And he says everybody was just playing. And I said, what happened? He says, after a while, He says, they realized I was missing. And I just thought, oh my God. And he said, and they searched, they got everybody off the beach. They called the, you know, went, well, no, I have to slow this story down. The boys got out of the water, went through and took off to find help. Mm. So I went too fast in that story. So they said that the boys went to find other help and nobody stayed there. So then when they all arrived back and they're going through the water, they found him mm. and he had drowned. So there was, no, there was no way, I guess, in some way, Kelly, that the boys could have figured that out on their own, right. how to jump in and out of the water. But this brother thought that they should have. And only after the fact, I don't mean during the time, yeah. he wasn't arguing, saying, stay or go through the water. Hindsight. He, yeah. Always. Yeah. And so in hindsight, he has blamed himself. He's not one of the oldest boys. Like, 
I don't know how to even this. And not even that that would have been their responsibility, but he just took it on himself. He took it on himself, like as he aged. Like, I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have done that. And the amount of stress and pressure he has put on himself with every decade has increased. And as he's now in his 60s, he's feeling the stress of if I die or when I die and I cross over and I, he greets me, is he going to blame me? Wow. And it was like, what? So this little boy comes up to me and says, you got to tell my brother to lighten up. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, and kick his ass. And I'm like, okay. So when I understand all of this, I understand why. Why he says, kick my brother's ass. Yeah. So I turned to the man sitting in the room beside me or across from me. And I said, um, Dave, you need an ass kicking. And he goes, and he's thinking, what for? I came here because my brother's dead. I've already kicked my own ass. What's going on? And I said, you have been punishing yourself for decades and it's about time you stop. Your brother is livid with you. This isn't your fault or anybody's fault. This is just something that happened. This was his time. This was his out. This was his death. And he says, yeah, I just don't, I just don't understand that. He was just a kid. I'm not letting myself get past that sentence. And I said, wow, that, that's a really terrible place to freeze time. And sit in for the rest of your life and constantly punish yourself. Mm -hmm. And I said, so when do you want to be done doing that? And I said, because your brother is saying that it's not your fault and that he's never put you into that freeze frame moment. And that that's not on him. That's on you. And I said, so when you go to cross over and he greets you, you can go over there if you're going to do that. Go sit in the corner. <laughs> because he's not going to meet you over there, and he's not going to participate in it. And he goes, what? And I said, oh, no, he's not going over there. He's not meeting you in that room. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Like yeah. a good visual? And I said, he refuses to meet you in that room to do that to you. So no. And he goes, so you're, you're just saying so no. And I said, so I'm saying so no. You want to fight with me? You want to fight with your brother? What do you want to do now? He goes, no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> and I said, how does that feel? And he goes, and he just takes in like this. Yeah. And you can just see his face. like, And it just goes into all these contortions of grief. Yeah, I was going to say agony and punishment and ugliness. And, and I, I don't mean judgmental ugliness. No, but what grief looks like. Yeah. Hmm. It's fascinating yeah. that the child in us that does not have the emotional capacity to kind of put things in perspective lives on even when we age. And even when the old man in his 60s, pardon me, the older man compared to his seven-year-old self, Mm -hmm. has tools to think about things rationally, Mm -hmm. still can't find a place for himself as an adult man because Mm -hmm. the seven-year-old's mentality is running the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked how his child brother 
appears in a bathing suit and is like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. So now what are you going to do? Well, yeah, because now it's open. And how many times have we said the, the sessions allow you to have a different relationship with your loved ones? Mm-hmm. Whether you loved them, hated them, grieved them, didn't, whatever mm-hmm. it was, it can be a new something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It just as the day has gone on today to prepare for the podcast shows, this came like in five minutes. I just sat down in the treatment room quickly and just sketched these out in quick five minutes. Cool. But as my day has gone on to do desk work or to go out and do some errands and have lunch and see other clients and all of this, I can't begin to tell you how much I have enjoyed remembering these stories mm-hmm. and hearing the pieces that I've totally forgotten or listening to the conversation all over again and thinking, I really like that little boy in the bathing suit. I want to hang out with him. <laughs> like, he has a kick-ass attitude about this stuff. Yeah. Like, I just, it's just so fun to drive around to do my errands and have him sit in the car with me. I love that. I feel like you've introduced a whole other dimension of medium that wasn't in this show, but that that's good. Yeah. Yes, they sit in the backseat of our car. Absolutely. Yes, they sit on our human desks. Yes. They sit on the deck in the backyard. Or on our countertops in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing in the kitchen. Fun. Like okay. and I and I think tonight when we're done the podcast show, like I just part of me is like, oh my God, I can hardly wait to get into the kitchen and dance with all those kids. Mm-hmm. Like I think of all the kids that died in the fire dancing. I think of this little boy that drowned. I think of the little redhead. Oh my God, the little redhead girl. Like to now be my age to dance with her. Mm-hmm. I think you're you're illustrating a really cool um, concept that he's no longer drowning, that little girl's no longer drowning, mm-hmm. that they have moved on, that they have aged as well. Mm-hmm. And this can be a really positive thing for a lot of people because it takes them out of re- repeating that illustration in their head of death. Mm-hmm. And yet sometimes people can think, well, if they're off in their happy place now or they're in a better place, that means they're not with me. And they forget that they can age and be okay and still come back and be a part of your life and make noise in your kitchen. Yeah. 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 Be in your own kitchen. Or maybe somebody might think, oh, I might like to think once in a while that if they're not hanging out at my house while I'm having sex, that maybe they're over at Karen and Kelly's. Because <laughs> they're not having sex. Right. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yes. Because... We, well, have, we, we have to be able to think differently. We have to be yeah. able to know that we're loved even when they're not in the room and that they can come back and visit. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Thank you for your five minutes of piecing that together. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah, okay. You're so welcome. if people have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at com. Otherwise, enjoy your weekend. <laughs>